Hi friends, welcome to the Psyche Mental Wellbeing Podcast with me, your host, Hannah. On the show, I'm joined each episode by an amazing guest to have an honest conversation, share our real life experiences and tackle stigma and misconceptions around mental health along the way. We believe that everyone would benefit from focusing a little more on their mental well-being, and we're here to support you to do just that. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, friends, and happy Wednesday. Welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing today? I hope wherever you are, you are feeling calm, you are feeling well, in yourself, centered, grounded, um, or energized and uplifted, or maybe a lovely, beautiful mix of all of that. And hopefully, today's episode actually will help uh, a lot with that. We're talking very spiritual and philosophical today about embodied wholeness, embodied breathing, and really into kind of being, non being, doing duality stuff, which hopefully Alex uh, will explain more clearly and. He gives some great resources and next steps if it's something that really resonates with you that you want to go further with. Uh, but he also has quite a calming um, voice. I was kind of, <laughs> I don't know what word was popping into my head then. But um, so that's what's in store for today. Before we dive into that, I want to say a massive thank you to Madeleine who joined us on Monday for that episode. So yes, as I said, a bit more philosophical and spiritual today. So be open-minded there are some exercises that Alex talks me through which to be honest there's a reason why it's a practice because it's hard to to kind of figure out and to if you're someone who lives in your head a lot like me come back into the body but that idea of coming back to ourselves and being embodied is something uh, that Alex talks about so if um if you're able to if it's safe for you to do so uh, feel free to try the exercises along with me but yes it is a practice so probably it might not make sense to start with or it might it might be a bit difficult to kind of really feel into it and experience both kind of sides that probably sounds really vague but hopefully it will make sense um through the episode i really hope you enjoy it and i'll be back super quickly at the end Hi everyone and I'm really happy to welcome today's guest Alex to the podcast. So Alex, welcome and if you could introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you. Awesome, thanks for having me, I'm really excited. Um, so, um, you know, I guess our topics that uh, we thought about spirituality and psychology have been a passion for me since childhood. So it's, uh, I usually tell people that I'm very fortunate to live a life where I get to do who I am and what I do is an expression of deeply what I experience and believe uh, about life and about humanity. I think that's the easiest way to introduce myself. All the other things are just particulars of content, but the content is the doorway back to who fundamentally we are, who I am, who you are, right? And and the rest of it is the display of that, right? It's like It's like roses. You have roses are roses, but then you have them different colors, but the essence is their rose. So at the essence, all of us as human beings, right, are, are, are whole beings. And then we forget. We take a journey of forgetting and then trying to remember. And so my journey is like everybody else's journey. And I'm fascinated by that journey. I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to experience being 
uh, free of the conditionality that we we experience as human beings. And my work with people is is that it's about helping to identify ways in which we're conditioned, and then ways in which to let go and experience who we are. That's maybe not the kind of summary or introduction that maybe about my specifics, where I went to school, what have I done. That's that's more important. Yeah, and uh, so interesting. Thank you for for sharing that. And and I guess sometimes, as you were saying that about that kind of essence of who we are, and not just the things we're doing because we can get really stuck in that doing can't we and it sounds like you're getting back to that being yeah i mean being and doing are inseparable and then as we embody being the doing comes out of being when we are not in touch with being then the doing comes from a sense of deficiency and a lack and then all of the doing is in desperation to try to shore up the lack see so then then only then is there's a duality between doing and being so the goal here is to return to being but then doing is the expression of that I mean it sounds lovely that returning to being but (laughs) how do we do that if we're so in the in the doing stuff how do we return just to to kind of be Sure. The, you know, many of the great spiritual paths uh, describe describe the path and the methods that go that go along with with how to do that. the The first step is to understand that we are we are patterned beings, meaning that all of our conditioning that has come along creates a certain momentum and a patterning in the way that we think, in the way that we feel, the way that we sense, and most of all, in the way that we hold on to a perception about ourselves. So in the beginning stages of the work, let's say the path, is we start to calm down the nervous system first, and that means the body. And, and often in the West, we think that most of this work is going to be done in the thinking mind, right? Well, the thinking mind is the expression of what has happened to us in the body. The body And the nervous system is where all of the material information and the contractions are held. And then they perfume as emotions, thoughts, and sensations. So you can't make a fire go away away by shooing away the smoke. So thoughts, emotions, sensations are the smoke. They're not getting to the core fire if you want to extinguish the fire. So we have to return back and, and calm down. And there are many ways to calm down. The most quickest and effective way is through the breathing, learning to breathe mindfully and fully into the body. And by doing this embodied kind of breathing, the nervous system starts to calm down. When the nervous system comes down, we have this experience of like, almost like taking a step back away from the content of our experience. What's another way of saying that is that the objects of experience, thoughts, emotions, sensations, and perceptions, are no longer identified as that is who I am. Meaning I'm not thinking my thinking is who I am. I'm, there's a sense of like, wait a second, I can step back away from that. And I can see that from a distance that, right, I am not my thoughts. I am not my emotions. I'm not sensations. Those are, those are fleeting. They come and go. So we suffer because we are over-identified with the content of experience. And we don't examine the nature of essence of who am I? And, you know, the, the, the classic Zen koan of what was your, what, what is your original face before you were born? 
as that's a classic Zen statement. The way I like to rephrase it a little bit, maybe easier for Westerners to, to grasp is, who am I without reference points, right? So we start to, we start to in a meditative way, another way of saying that is a contemplation and, a, and, a, and an examination of experience. We, get, we become phenomenologists of our own experience. We don't take experience as the indication of who I am. We use experience as a doorway to come back to ourselves. We don't forget. So the first step is the breathing. And then after the breathing, there's an examination of experience internally. There's a facing towards who am I. And then we experience moments of what I would consider vastness, spaciousness, timelessness, uh, quality of just knowing, simply just knowingness. And in that way, we realize, wow, there's a presence, but there's not a conditional identity that's that's there, and that's freedom. And this is a journey. This doesn't just happen in one second. We get insights into this through these methodologies, but then to stabilize that, that's a, that's a lifetime worth of work. That's a, that's just to summarize for you, like thousands of years of a path in like five minutes. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I mean, you know, <laughs> when you said phenomenologists, I'm like, wow, well, you're speaking my language. Because, uh, but yeah. for anyone who is like, what, what, what is that? Uh, I wonder if you could give us a brief what that means. Becoming a phenomenologist. Well, look at the word phenomena, right? Which means we study phenomena, and phenomena are our experiences. And, and, you know, again, we often don't ask who is the one who is examining and having the experience. We simply, uh, you know, identify with experience. So phenomenologist is interested in both sides, the subject and the object science. Awesome. Thank you. I mean, this is right into the area of like philosophy and psychology that I'm really into. Mm -hmm. So I won't mean, mm -hmm. try not to yeah. geek out too much. Yeah. Um, but just to, to kind of, I don't know, my, my thinking and an example, and you can correct me if I'm on the right track with this is if I um, had a feeling of kind of anxiety rather than being like, I am anxious. It's that kind of, Oh, there's anxiety kind of here. So it's not, yeah. I am not the yes. anxiety, but it's, that's right. It's present. That's the first step. And there's multiple stages after that. So the first step is we go from, I am, I am anxiety, right? So, all right, that's the, that's the subject object duality right there at its peak, right? The next phase may, may be, I notice anxiety, right? Okay, that's we're still not there yet because we're still naming the experience as anxiety, which has a lot of references to it, right? So next is I'm noticing this experience of energy. Why do we call it anxiety? Because we feel overwhelmed by it and we don't like it, right? What we don't understand is the anxiety is still a symptom. So then we say, wait a second, I'm noticing this energy and it seems to dominate the field of my consciousness, I'm curious of how this experience arises. From where does this energy arise? Okay, so then we start to weave the energy and say, oh, wow, it's interesting. My perception about a particular situation or person then created this experience and the experience is not a problem. It's the manifestation of maybe a misunderstanding. Maybe there's a fear that's going on. Maybe there's a deeply held perception about myself. And then we go to that. So you see, it's a it's a it's a it's a deconstructive process, right? Weaving always, always, always going back to who am I? 
we always end there. Yeah. And I just, you know, as you were saying, the the step where you're kind of noticing the experience and what's happening, I was remembering, um, I was saying I use if I, if I feel the, the overwhelmed feeling that actually in the body, physiologically, like you said, that energy, we label it as anxiety, but it's the same as like excitement is. And yeah, that's right. Why do we, and, and the reason it's a very interesting point here, watch this. When, when we embody our, our wholeness, and, and that means within the body, that we feel that we're present everywhere in the body, there's a quality of being vast as the sky. And then what happens is then the feeling tones of, let's say, anxiety don't feel, don't feel to us as though they're suppressing us or blocking us. It simply just is another experience. And this is what we start to fundamentally get to, which is that all experience energetically is coming and going, has different flavors, tonalities, and so forth. And yet we are not described by any one of those. And therefore, if I'm not described by any one of them, I'm free of, of the energetic expression. Now, of course, pain and suffering, depression, anxiety, all these things, we don't like the intensity and the way that they seem to block them, the, the window. You know what I mean? It's kind of like putting a fog on the window. We don't like that. But what we don't, what we don't understand is that we, in essence, are the ones creating the fog, then we don't like it. It's not life and circumstances and other people that are causing us these experiences. It's our perceptions that are causing these experiences. And that's a pretty powerful recognition that I am not the victim of life and circumstance. I have power. I am power. And that's really important. And all of a sudden, in that embodied wholeness, then all kinds of energies can come and go without disrupting us. And, you know, it's like... You ever watch a ship sometimes, right? And waves come and go, but the ship just seems to be stable. Like it's moving, but it's still right there, right? And it's like a surfer. Waves are coming and going, but the surfer is just riding the wave. And it's just like that experience. You're riding the wave, never losing yourself, and it comes and it goes. That's the essence. I love that the the sea and waves is always such a great metaphor, isn't it? <laughs> the sea and the waves and the sky and the clouds, those are the two, two very common metaphorical descriptions along this journey of wholeness. And the, all of my teachers have used the, the, that analogy, and it's a great analogy. And, and, and once you actually experience the analogy, then it, it, you can you can become embodied with that. Like for example, the clouds represent experience, right? And the sky represents our true nature. Well, as the clouds come and go, it doesn't change the sky-like nature of things, right? It doesn't matter if there's small clouds or if it's sunny, not sunny, if there's thunderstorms or snow or rain, the sky can take that up and never change. And really that is our true nature. It's like if I took a stone now and I threw it through through the air, the air doesn't change because I threw the stone. If I took this building and I destroyed it and, and, and built another one, the space that's here hasn't changed. Well, that's important for us to experience. This is so interesting to kind of contemplate, I guess, and to think about and uh, and explore. And I'd love to know a bit uh, a bit more about somatic work and you know how that can be beneficial, particularly with trauma, but I guess maybe in this in this process of coming back to 
this whole self. Many people have heard me speak about this topic before, so I hope it's not redundant for those people who know me, but uh, for your, your listeners that I'll begin at the beginning, which is that no one in, no one in this lifetime escapes being conditioned, right? So conditioning happens to all of us. We weren't born in a realm where there's no conditioning. I don't know if there is one, but we come into being human. And from the moment we're born, the environment interacts with our internal environment and, and that creates learning, right? And then that learning is stored in our nervous system and our cells and our brain. That's the first place that all this information is stored, right? Like it's like your computer. You can see the display on the screen, but all the information is running in the background. So the interesting thing is that it's about getting to the background operating system. In this case, all the information that's stored, right? And it's stored in the body as what? As memories, messages, contractions, uh, body patterns, the way we breathe, the way we walk, the way we talk, all of those are the momentum expressing itself from what we've learned. Now, at some point, we don't, we don't think about what we learned and then enact. We're just living the momentum of all the conditioning, right? And what happens is the somatic work is using the body, the embodiment, as a doorway to freedom. And one, the breathing is an embodied practice, right? And then inhabiting the body. Meaning, what does that mean? Bringing our attention into the interior of the body, we start to identify spaces that are contracted. And those contracted spaces are like ice forms that are not necessarily bad. They're simply information that got retained due to the experiences that we've had. And then as they become retained and condensed, they keep radi- like radioactive material. They keep seeping out that information in what? Thoughts, emotions, and sensations. So the contractions and the information is constantly operating. And so we always think, where are thoughts, emotions, and sensations coming from? They don't feel like they belong to me, but they're mine. I'm not sure this is confusing. They're they're perfuming from all that operating system constantly. So we use breath work. We use mindful movement. We use meditation. We use yoga, tai chi, in Tibetan yoga, we have what's called salun, true core. In Zen, we have all these embodied practices. There's there's a category of embodied practices, and that they don't have to belong to a religion or spirituality. They they just exist for all of us. Okay. So, like for example, breathing in is not just breathing into my lungs. How about breathing into the whole body? You can feel that breathing in from all the way to your toes to the top of your head. Feel that your whole body is breathing. We call this pervasive breath. Right now full body breathing, breathing into the whole body. And you can feel that the body is porous. There's a quality of like a, a spaciousness. Each cell, there's room between the cells. So therefore the breath comes in and out through the body. And I was, as I was watching you, you notice as you started to breathe that way, your whole energy just shifted. Did you notice that about yourself? It's amazing how quickly when you take a full breath like that. Right, not just in the lungs, right? Just in yeah. the whole body. What happened? What did you experience? I just felt so much calmer <laughs> straight away. It's just... that, that's it. You see, so like, look how that wasn't fancy. We didn't have to do 10 years of meditation practice. You simply just did embodied breathing. Mm. Wow. And all of a sudden you felt calmer. 
And then as you feel calmer, you start to calm the nervous system down. As you calm the nervous system down, you're taking those old stories and contractions and we're releasing them. And then all of a sudden when they release, what do you get? You get new insights into who you are. I think there's obviously when you're taking a a pervasive breath, there's obviously so much more (laughs) air going in, which is going to be beneficial. That's right. But I think also there's when you're really thinking about it, going into your whole body and and it's one of the reasons I particularly love mindful movement and and things like that because I think if I'm trying to like not fall over in a yoga pose I'm not stuck in my head with all those thoughts and stuff because I have to be really aware of my body and if I'm thinking about breathing into my toes I have to be in my body to do that that's that's right and now you as you move your hands and stay attuned to being in your whole body while you move your hands. Not just moving your hands from your mind, but actually use pervasive breath to be everywhere in your body all at once. And notice that the moving of the hands now feels like it's like like you're moving through water. It, it has a quality of like spaciousness, space moving through space. It's no longer I, identity, mind, and moving my hand, and the hand is some kind of object separate from who I am, right? No, this expression, the embodied expression, is not separate parts and pieces. This body is the expression of who I really am. That's, that's the embodied aspect. Yeah, I was, I was doing that. People can't see <laughs> moving my hands there, and it's... Mm-hmm strange isn't it when you because we're so disconnected I guess from them in our everyday life so it just feels really nice spacious but weird to be like oh my hands are (laughs) hands are moving they're they're moving and and do they belong to me are they mine they're not mine what's the body you start to really try to understand just by that simple motion I'm just still in my hands now (laughs) come back to um my mind a little bit well no it's okay watch ready be in your hands but also now be in your whole body while you're in your hands, not just your hands by themselves. There you go. There's the shift right there. That's (laughs) right. That's right. So be everywhere in the body. And now let's go ahead and continue our conversation and allow thinking to happen, but still be in your whole body while thinking is happening. Don't lose your sense of self as thinking is happening. Stay within the open vastness of being and allow thinking to happen. You see, we don't need to divide those two. You can be thinking and still be embodied at the same time. Mm-hmm. See if you can notice that. My, my question is how? How do I stay fully in well, my body whilst stay, well, so, so experience. So first of all, so experience your, that quality of being everywhere in your body all at once from your head to your toe. Mm-hmm. Now, thinking is still happening, right? Yeah. Does it disturb that quality of just feeling the openness? mix them let me give you let me let me take you one step further i want you to mix i want you just to feel that you're mixing them together mix the open quality and the thinking and let them become inseparable let them be together united that the thinking and the and the spacious quality open quality are happening at the same time Mm. that's more subtle it feels uh i don't know i guess um unusual in that i'm often very much in my head I'm very much <laughs> in a head mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, trying to have that. Full embodied. 
Mm. Yes, both be at the same. L- allow the thinking to happen. Okay, so here goes. There's a sky analogy. Let the thinking happen within the sky, right? Mm. So the clouds are moving and going so the thinking can happen in openness we don't need to we don't need to lose that quality of being free because we're thinking i could be free and in the, and function as being while thinking is going on thinking doesn't have to be a problem we need we need thinking in our everyday lives for many things and what what's interesting is thinking itself changes because thinking is all about reference points. That's what what's what thinking. That's what thinking is, and it's also images, right? But when we are embodied, thoughts change. So therefore, thoughts are not as dense anymore. So we start going. Wait a second. I, we always assume that thinking is always the same. No, there's a there's a change in the quality of thinking that happens. It thinking itself feels more like a ethereal. It's lighter it doesn't seem to define us and capture us so it's like oh yeah it's just like a whispering you know kind of wind moving through the more we embody the less dense experience feels i definitely am feeling the more kind of floating and then trying to (laughs) that's it that's it no don't don't grasp just relax relax yeah i'm just you know I don't know how well I can interview while everything. Well, floating. that's that's right. Okay, so now allow the floating, this quality of floating, to happen, and there's also a grounded quality to it. Meaning, there's a presence quality to it. Now, what? Now, that's the next step. So, feel the openness and the floating. At the same time, feel that there's a quality of being also very present and grounded at the same time. Now, let's unify those two together, right? So we're vast. And at the same time, grounded. Vastness has a groundedness to it. It's not just a vastness and a nothingness to it. Feel that you're still present while being vast. You notice those two together? You're still with me. You're still here. There you go. So be present and open. Now, this takes time. And then it takes time to integrate and then live life interview and, you know, do the dishes and all those kind of things as, you know, there's a great, there's a great Jack Cornfield book that says after the ecstasy comes the laundry. <laughs> I love that title. Yeah. And I definitely, you know, just for, from that little bit can see why it takes a lot of time to, time. Um, you know, cause I feel like I usually when I'm interviewed, I'm very grounded and present. And I guess it's the vastness bit. Yes. And bringing that in as well is my. That's my that's, that's, yeah. And we call we call that integration. And, and, mm-hmm. and so then what happens in along the journey is we're introduced to that quality of who we really are. And then it's about the integration across life with that quality then pervading everywhere from simply, you know, my, one, one of my teachers, I remember when he was introducing this to us. We would, we would practice this embodiment, and then he would say, reach out for your water now, and reach out from your water, but stay, stay present this way, okay? And then he says, then drink it. And if you, if at some point, let's say, you contracted back again to an identity, me, drinking water, and all those kind of things, he said, pause again, put it down embody that quality of being again then try it again and these were this is the integration points and then imagine going from that to then living life every single day and you know we have examples through history of people who have really gone all the way on this path where from i'll say from a more technical spiritual perspective our our latent karmic 
patterns have been extinguished completely. Now, there's a term for that. It's called Buddhahood. Now, it didn't belong to the historical Buddha. The reason Buddha was given that name is the awakened one. Awakened to what? To his true nature, right? This quality that we're describing. So the end goal uh, along the Buddhist path would be Buddhahood, which implies no more karmic imprints. It's all the conditioning has been extinguished. Now, many of your listeners might be like, oh my God, uh, this is too much. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I want that. Do I have to do Buddhism? No, 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 no to all of it. It's all applicable. It's all digestible. It's available to all of us. It doesn't matter. Religion, culture, gender, anybody from anywhere being human, we can do this work. Amazing. And we talked about sort of breath and the, the kind of breathwork being the sort of starting point. And then you'd mentioned integration. So for anyone who's listening, who's thinking, I really want to just dive into this and, and find out more. Do you have any sort of practical advice of where they can go, what they can do? When people ask me that question, um, what I would say is each one of us has a deep intuition that we have to follow. And that will happen. It's really interesting. I call it the quickening. You know, each of our lives will meander and there'll be things that show up in our life that keep nudging us in a particular direction to go. Right. And, you know, so for me, it was a particular avenue of spiritual integration. That doesn't matter what mine is. Each person who's listening will feel an alignment to some methodology and a view that supports their coming home. And they'll know that. They'll know that by their experience and they'll see that in their life, they have more compassion. They have more wisdom. You know what I mean? They'll see it. If th whatever they're doing is not producing that and they just feel that they're still suffering, something's off. Either they don't understand it, either they're not applying it or it's the wrong path. Right. So I suggest people to read, study, talk to people. You know, really like, you know, and I remember when I started out on this journey, I threw myself in like crazy. I read everything. I went to every possible talk and retreat. Every weekend was full. My life was, you know, I gave my life, still do, to that exploration. So it wasn't like, oh, you know, this will be something I do once in a while. No, 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 no. Uh, this kind of work, by the way, the overturning of our conditioning, just like anybody who wants to get fit requires, you know, anybody who works out, they know you work out every week, not once in a while. You want to stay in healthy shape? You've got to do it consistently. You got to eat consistently healthy. It's not like, oh, I'm going to diet for two weeks and then I'll be healthy. Well, this path requires the same kind of thing. There was something um, to that point I read recently, a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear that everyone was talking about. And, and he says something about that. The doing is I'm going to diet this week, but actually you have to shift to that more of a being. So mm. I'm going to be a healthy person. And then you can ask yourself, like, what would a healthy person do in this moment? Mm. Um, and so it was interesting that they had that shift from I'm doing these things that will give me this outcome to I am this kind of and maybe you're too attached to the, the being in that situation. But that that's mm. the kind of person I am. And to me, it's felt easier <laughs> to make choices around the doing by uh, thinking about the being. Thinking or, or experiencing? 
I mean, there is some thinking when, you know, you're kind of That's fine. asking asking yourself yeah. what would a healthy person do, but no experiencing it definitely because it's all right. Let's yeah. distinguish the two. Let me I'm very nitpicky about this stuff, right? <laughs> so when in, in the Western psychology, sometimes we play these gimmicky games with ourselves of trying to create positive versions of ourselves or, or positive affirmations or positive thoughts. They don't work. The reason they don't work is they're still operating from the sense that I'm lacking something, meaning that it's a good, it's a good step in the right direction. But like, for example, let's say I'm not eating healthy. And then I say, what would a healthy person do in this moment? Well, that's a nice idea, but it doesn't mean I have the willpower, let's just say, or I have the the way to work with and understand my desires, right? So now we come back to phenomenology. We must get to the root cause of why I'm eating the way I am or living the way I am. If I don't explore the depth of that, no surface level story conviction is going to make me feel whole, number one. Number two is it won't last. That diet will be a fad and I'll go back to it because the deeper transformation is the reason I'm eating that way, let's say, is because I'm stuffing, let's say, my feelings or I don't know how to work with my emotions or I feel frustrated with the fact that I I don't like uh, who I am. Well, all of those core issues are not going to go away because I'm thinking more positively about myself. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, and particularly, I feel like there are lots of things that are very relevant to me that you just listed as those reasons. Um, and actually, as you were saying, it definitely is more of an experiencing because for myself, I have done that exploring of why is it that, you know, that I might comfort eat, for example, what are the... That's right. That's right. What are the root, what are the root causes? I always want to get to root so why? What's the root of someone, let's say, overeating? Very simple. We can name five or ten reasons why you and I can. It's very easy to name. But what under the, under those five or ten reasons is the same reason we started this conversation? We feel a sense of lack, which is we don't feel at home within ourselves. Well, when we don't feel at home or complete or full, the only option is to feel a lack. Well, how do we deal with lacks? We try to fill them up. See, so we must come back to healing our misperceptions of who we really are. Yeah, it feels like this is a, a, a great point to ask you if you've got a final thought before I dive into my set questions that I ask everyone that comes on. All your listeners, you are whole. You're complete. There's nothing wrong with you. There's never been anything wrong with you. Come home. Come home to your fundamental true self. Who are you? without any reference points. Explore that in the body. Come home. Beautiful. Thank you for that. Yeah, so I would love to hear your thoughts on my set questions that I ask everyone Please. that comes on. Um, and so the first one is what brings you joy in your life? You know, I think most people would like to hear the typical kind of like, what do I like to do with myself, right? What's interesting for me is there's a lot of things that I enjoy doing but I'm, I'm, I feel more that there's a, there's a creative expression in me. It feels like this momentum of energy that's constantly try, trying to express itself in life in a creative way. And my creativity is in my interactions with beings and helping them come home to themselves. And, and do I like to go to the beach and enjoy that? But even when I'm in the beach, 
what happens there is I still am experiencing my sense of fullness. I'm just enjoying that fullness on the beach. So, or, or taking a walk. And, and that's the thing. I, I, I'm not seeking experience to make me fall. I feel full. And therefore, you know, a Rupert Spira said this one time. He goes, somebody said, is there an issue with uh, me getting together with friends? And he's like, it all depends. Are you going to your friends because you're feeling empty and you're hoping that the experience fills you up or you feel full and you're going to overflow your fullness in your, in your participation with your friends? That's how I'm going to answer that. So it's not what we do, remember? It's where we're doing from. Awesome. I, I, I mean, I'm really interested to hear your answers to all of these questions because of the, the perspective that you're, you're coming from, which might be different to a, a lot of guests that we've had on. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. So the next one is what makes life meaningful for you? All of life is everything. Why would something not be meaningful? It is only from the perspective of embodied wholeness. Everything is the display. And here is the collapse of duality. Life is not happening to me. Life is the manifestation of this dream of mine and suffering as well, all of it. Therefore, it's not that the life is there and I'm here. That life and me, are the, it's a quantum. It's a hologram. It's happening at the same time. So therefore, if the arising of experience is the expression of my perspective, well, meaning then doesn't come from the outside. Meaning, meaning. Everything's meaningful. Why? Like a hologram? The hologram, if anybody knows about it, if they don't know, if you take a hologram and you take a piece of the hologram, the piece has the entire image inside the piece. Therefore, everything in life is a mirror of the whole. And when we recognize that, that means every experience, internal or external, if we want to divide it that way, simply is an invitation to experience my wholeness. That's it. Therefore, everything is meaningful. Yeah, so my, my next two questions are around our overarching topic on the podcast. And the first one, we're kind of all about mental well-being. Um, so what does mental wellness mean to you? Well, first of all, I don't like the word mental because it, because it assigns the idea that our wellness belongs to thinking. How about, how about just simply well-being? So what does that mean then to everybody? They should be clear on what well-being then means based on uh, this whole conversation. <laughs> it means returning back to wholeness. Yeah, and then we, um, I probably talked about this as well, but then my follow-up is always for yourself, what you do for um, for your own well-being to maintain that. So to maintain that, coming back to yourself. and All the practices that my teachers have given me, I employ them. I've chosen at this point in my life, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough that my teachers have handed me the whole complete, you know, lineage and path. And there are a, a few practices that I particularly align with and I, I, I use them on a consistent basis. I wonder how you react to this one because you didn't like the word mental, but <laughs> anyway. It wasn't, it wasn't that I didn't like that you said it. I think no, no, it's just a, yeah. it's a misunderstanding in, 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 a, in the world. I mean, mm. you know, how about embodied mind-body connection? about mind body wellness you want if you want to say that mind body spirit wellness uh, i don't care as long as it's inclusive of the truth of who we are that's that's why i'm nit nitpicky about yeah. that no that's fine well my my next one and we'll see see what you make of this is uh, i ask everyone that comes on uh, how they would describe their own mindset i am whole 
I am, I am vast. I am timeless. I am radiant. I am free. Uh, so then my next question is my favorite one to ask because I'm very curious. And obviously we're all um, unique individuals and we all have to do that process of coming back to ourselves, ourselves. But we like to offer some some tips of things that people can try out. And I know we've already given lots of lots of tips uh, in this. And um, But if you have a top one to three tips of, you th- of things you think that people could try out that could have a big impact. I would, I would start by saying that all of suffering is an invitation to freedom. So all the greediness and the places that we find most challenging in life are exactly there because it's a contraction and an expression of where we're feeling separate. So therefore, learning to use the stickiness of life as a doorway to freedom is really, really important, number one. Number two is remembering on an embodied level that we are free and whole, right? And then the third part is using the methodologies that help us work with that. So, right, so it's three parts. I'm whole, suffering is a doorway to freedom, and the methods that work on helping work with the suffering to feel whole. That would be, I think, a complete package for you. Brilliant. Thank you for that. And then my my next question, um, I was going to say new question, but it's not. I need to stop saying that now because I've been asking it for a little while, is I, I love to read. And we, you mentioned about reading and, and I guess expanding, you know, our horizons in that way. And so I'm asking everyone that comes on if they have a top tip of a book or, or a TED talk or something that has been really impactful and that you would recommend for us. Having a library of like 500 books, you know, you can imagine that I, I like to read and and I have my top ones, and they go along with what I said is important, right? So, for example, uh, David Loy's book, uh, David Loy, L-O-Y, uh, it's called Lack and Transcendence. It is an incredible read and a deep understanding about existential anxiety, uh, which is the root cause of all of our suffering. It's that sense of lack, not enough, right? It's a deep read. It requires patience and and, and a willingness to really get in. That's That's one of my top favorite books. The second one is Donald Kalshed's book called Trauma and the Soul. It's an incredible understanding of all of the internal forces and how they work as a unit together. And if anybody wants to understand what's actually happening to them, top, top book, right? And then I love Sherry Huber, H-U-B-E-R. She has got two books that I really recommend to almost everybody, which is There's Nothing Wrong With You. That's that's one book. And the second one is called That Which You Are Seeking Is Causing You to Seek. And I would say that's enough for people to start with. Those three books will round out the beginning understanding. And then, of course, besides the books, everybody needs a guide. Just like I would need a guide if I'm going to go to Mount Everest and climb down Mount Everest. I can't do it by myself. We all need a guide who knows how to do the journey, who knows the steps along the journey, who knows the pitfalls and knows how to guide the person. You know, you can read all you want, but then when we sit down by ourselves, all we have is the material that we have. And, and it's it's hard to untie yourself. <laughs> Sometimes somebody else has to support you and help you to untie yourself. And when you say needing a guide, what kind of, could that be anyone or are there particular types of people? Who... It, you, 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 will, you will know. It'll be somebody you trust 
it doesn't i don't care if it's a psychotherapist a spiritual practitioner uh the person down the street you know in the old days you know like you, you hear stories of people walking down you know through the valley of some in the himalayas and there's a yak herder and they sit down with the yak herder the yak herder says one thing and that person awakens up to their true nature so you see you never know in life who it's going to be but you do have to trust someone to help guide you and that could be many different people and and but it's it's good to feel that deep connection and you trust someone brilliant thank you for sharing this and then that brings me to my final question alex which is where people can connect with you online if you want to tell us about anything that you've got going on or sure. ways that people might be able to work with you so uh, my website is uh, journey to wholeness.health that's a great way to explore about me uh, the second one is simply my email. It's my first and last name at gmail.com. You, you can post that. If people want to call me, I'll give you my phone number. They're more than welcome to call me anywhere in the world they want. It's easy to, to do that. Um, I think those are the main things. In September, I'll be offering an eight-week uh, meditation course on embodiment, on embodied homeless. And uh, if people want to you know, participate in that, they just get in touch, touch with me as, as well. Brilliant. Thank you. And we'll absolutely link in the show notes to your website and uh, your details so people can contact you. Thank there. you. Thank Alex, you. thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. I really, I, I don't know, I've got loads to think about and <laughs> take away personally and, and explore. Person. It's been lovely. So thank you so much for joining us and sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you for the, the questions, the beautiful energy and your willingness to uh, do the exercises and go for the journey. It's great. I loved it. <laughs> thank yeah. you. So thanks again to Alex for joining us and everything that he shared. And this, it, it's um, it's something that I've definitely been thinking about, that kind of duality and, and the way we view life. I've been reading a lot of Alan Watts at the moment, who's a kind of philosopher who was um, an amazing philosopher and also really interested in, uh, the book I'm reading at the moment is uh, Psychotherapy East and West. So looking at psychotherapy in the West, kind of Freudian and Jungian uh, psychotherapy and then kind of Vedanta yoga Buddhist traditions and kind of liberation through those and, and so very interesting so it's something I've been sort of reading about thinking about so a lot of this for me is sort of stuff that I'm aware of or have thought about before and so if this is all new to you and if it was a bit like I'm not really sure <laughs> what's going on then I think that's that's normal kind of the first time hearing about this viewpoint perspective way of experiencing the the world and it might be something that you listen to and thought no, I have no idea what's going on it might be something you thought I definitely want to to go deeper and to think about this and so as I said Alex shared some resources and if you're interested in that embodied meditation work that he's doing definitely check it out I'm very much tempted to do so uh, because as I said I live a lot of time in my head and it's something with yoga and everything that I I feel the benefit of when I can be more connected and embodied so living kind of in my whole body so that's a term we maybe threw around a lot without defining which I always like to do so we kind of know we're on the same page about what we're talking about so I hope you do enjoyed this conversation uh, just as a final reminder I guess if you are a parent of a teen or near teen and you're listening to this and you want to have more positive conversations with your teen feel more connected um, have that nurturing loving positive relationship instead of the <laughs> tension and stress and disconnection that can come from having kind of fraught 
difficult conversations. Uh, I have got a free three-day challenge running next week, so 28th to 30th of July. I realised I mentioned it on Monday but didn't give you the dates. Uh, so that's running over on Facebook in a group called Preparing for Positive Conversations with Your Teens, which you can find via the Psyche Coaching page. Uh, so it's a free challenge really it is some content that i'm going to be sharing i'm going to go live every day of that challenge at 10 a.m to share some thoughts around a specific topic a, a specific part of this preparing for positive conversations and then the i guess the challenge bit is taking away some points to reflect on and some some kind of prompts to um to think about and possibly act on or mostly reflect on so um, I'm really looking forward to it it'd be lovely to see some of you there and if you know any parents of teens who you think would benefit or be interested please do send them over to the Psyche coaching page on Facebook that's everything for today we will be back on Monday with another episode um, I will be editing and recording them pre the weekend um, because get married a bit busy uh, so you'll hear from me kind of properly properly up to date the week after but still another two fab episodes to share with you next week so i hope you enjoy those as well so we'll be back on monday until then as always take care of yourself be kind to yourself and i'll speak to you soon bye for now <laughs>